are listening to the Cleveland Guardians FanCast, hosted by Quincy Wheeler and Friends, a podcast about the Cleveland professional baseball team and its fans. To the Guardians fan cast, Quincy here with Tyler. Tyler, how you doing? I am doing well. I am hoping I can actually sit and watch some baseball more than I have been over the past week because it's been fun. It seems like for the most part. Yeah, it has. It has. The Guardians have been playing better. The offense has come alive. It, it's it, you know, it's funny that now when they lose, it actually to me feels a little bit worse because it's like, oh man, we we are actually playing well mm-hmm. because. They lost so many stupid games at the beginning of the year that every game now feels magnified. Like, oh, yeah, they probably should have won that first game against Boston. Oh, yeah, they should have won that first game against the Twins for sure. But you just got to enjoy the fact that they're playing better. It's nice to watch baseball that looks like an actual baseball team where they're yeah. in the four runs. So, I, uh, Tyler and I, before we started, I was just mentioning real quick uh, for any of you that aren't on Twitter, congratulations, <laughs> based on your part. But if you're on Twitter, you may have discovered that a popular Guardians Twitter account is going after me after I trolled them. So Cleveland Guard Guardians perspective, uh, just briefly, the very touch grass moment here for the podcast, Tyler. But a few years ago, uh, no, a few days ago, sorry. Well, a few years ago, I should say, 2020, at Gleam Garden's perspective, posted a political tweet. I put up a, a GIF, just a GIF, no words in reply that was just Jim Carrey saying, oh boy, here we go again. And I got blocked for two years. And I was like, all right, that's the only interaction I've ever had with you. It wasn't insulting. Okay. I, I had already unfollowed him at that point because I could see that there was some some issues there as far as we disagreed on some political stuff. So I didn't really want to be subjected to that. And I've never followed back um, or anything after he unblocked me. Uh, So anyway, the other day he goes after Michael Hook because Michael ill-advisedly put up a fake transaction post. Michael apologized, took it down. And then he continued to put up screenshots of Michael's mistake and I asked, well, why is that really necessary? He apologized and he took it down. And then he proceeded to call me the mighty Quincy who tries to police Guardian's Twitter or something. And, and I was like, all right, thank you for your response. That was it. And then <laughs> yesterday, Lamole, Bramble's eyebrows on Twitter, he confronted them about going after Zach, you know, I'm MVP, about – um about just putting up a GIF disappointed that DeLauder and Chorio had a bad first game in the Arizona Complex League. And he accused Zach of like hating on kids and being mean to their families and stuff. And Lamoy's like, what's up with this? And then he spent hours going after Lamoy. So anyway, after all this, I don't, you know, I, I, uh, in providing some good copy pasta posts after all this, he blocked me, which is fine. I think I deserved it. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with being blocked. I was absolutely saying that what he was doing was childish and I trolled him for it. Block me. That's fine. But I proceeded to hear from about, 
I think I'm probably up to around 50 people who've been blocked just for liking uh, a tweet and just for like asking a question. And so I put up a thread saying, hey, if you've been blocked, let me know the last tweet that you sent. And the vast majority of them have been very innocuous tweets just saying, oh, hey, why are you being this way? Hey, this seems weird. Why would you do this? Uh, and a couple of them have been, they've insulted him or they've used profanity. I've said, yeah, you deserve to get blocked, buddy. So there it is. There's all that. Hey, go outside, touch some grass, get off Twitter, put the keyboard, put the phone down. I get it. I agree with you. I absolutely, when I asked for that tweet, I deserve to be called out for trolling. It's trolling. It's a little trolling. And guess what? I'm okay with it because I think it points out like how a lot of kind and nice, respectful people are getting blocked for no reason. And I wanted to stand up for them. And somebody asked me, did anybody ask you to stand up for them? No. But guess what? I felt like standing up for them. And so I did. I did because I wanted to. And it's my Twitter. I can do what I want with it. If you don't like it, block me, mute me. I don't care. Unfollow me. I don't care. So anyway, then the ending of that is that he proceeds to spend the last two hours talking about what a sick person I am and how can I possibly be a Christian if I troll somebody on Twitter. <laughs> and anyway, so yeah, yeah. And so there you go, Tyler. Now everybody I'm knows. I, I feel like I, despite my enjoyment of trolling people on Twitter too, um, I feel like I haven't interacted with this account very much, so I am still unblocked. So my favorite, well, and I mean, now that I said this, assuming he might, you know, continue to stalk your socials, I'll probably get blocked after this too. But anyway, um, my favorite part is seeing like this like string of tweets about being very upset and then a good probably like five hour break and then just going right back at it. So <laughs> I just imagine him stopping and then just like pacing around his, his home for five hours. And then I'm like, wait, I got more to say about Quincy. <laughs> so I just, it's. it's uh, so people are sending me screenshots and somebody sent me a screenshot of him replying and saying that he want asking me to meet him in person and talk to him which is fine. I mean, he can stop by and say hi anytime he wants, but I just wanted to know, I can't see that tweet because he blocked me. So I can't there see him go. asking to meet me. So he did, uh, he did put up a poll saying, should I unblock Quincy Wheeler? Oh. But the two options were no and no. So <laughs> that's good. I like that. See, that's trolling. I like that's that. Funny. That's I, yeah. I like stuff Prop, like that. That's I enjoy I enjoy that one. Props to him on that. Good job, Todd. Way to go. All right, so there you go, everybody who doesn't care about Twitter. You just wasted 10 minutes of your life. Today, Tyler and I, were going to talk about potential trade options for the Guardians. It's an interesting spot to be in for the Guardians because we're still not sure where they're going to be in the division race come July. You know, is June going to be a good month? And then they'll be, you know, where they are right now, which is two and a half games back. So maybe they'll be you know, tied, maybe they'll be a little bit back. Is June going to be a bad month and they'll be farther back? Well, that changes things depending on how things look. To me, I think, Tyler, that you and I are mostly on the same, are on the same page here that, that I don't really care particularly about where they are in the standings. They really need to consider how they can possibly find some more home run hitting potential on the team. And, Trade from their depth, which is middle infielders, obviously, 
and pitching, which there's no such thing as pitching depth. I get it. But at this point, you have to consider, can we take some of the over-resourced areas that we have and consolidate it into areas where we need help? And that's what I think needs to happen. So uh, we're in general agreement about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's complicated because if you're a playoff contender and you want pitching help, you're probably not going to give up a piece that's helping you try to reach the playoffs to get that pitching help. So that's what makes it complicated. Um, and and I have to say, looking at the major leagues and looking at AAA, I don't see a ton of options that make a lot of sense for the Guardians uh, to pursue. So part of this might be maybe something super creative is potentially out there that they can go after that none of us think is a possibility. This isn't going to happen, but let me just say that if the Braves were absolutely in love with one of the young Cleveland Guardian starters and they said starting pitchers and maybe they're also in love with one of their hitting prospects um, and then they're like, hey, do you guys, we love these two guys. Is there any interest on your part in putting together a package for one of our great young hitters and, you know, Acuna comes to mind, but there's no way they're trading him. But I'm just saying like you get, you get one of those top teams like that to say, Hey, we really love these guys and we think they can be a part of our next championship piece. So here's a piece that no one would think would be available, but we might make them available if you offer us enough for him. Now I'm skeptical of if the guardians are aggressive enough to pull something like that off. So in this fantasy world, what if you go the Braves are like, hey, nobody thinks Acuna is available because we got him on the super amazing deal, but we might make him available if you give us Tristan McKenzie, Stephen Kwan, and I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying like that kind of weird deal, you can never expect that happening. It's super unlikely. Um, so I, I thought more about guys that are like, uh, obviously – uh, Joe Adele, who's blocked in Anaheim for now, he hits a lot of home runs, has problems with strikeouts, but he's got that slugging. So that's someone to think about. Tyler O'Neill, who's only under control for one more year after this. He's slugged in the past. He's been in a slump, not doing well in, in St. Louis. Is he somebody who could benefit from a change of scenery? He's coming back from an injury, so we have to see how that goes. Another guy who's injured in St. Louis, Lars Newtbar. He's a guy who absolutely slugs. And St. Louis just has a ton of hitting outfielders. So I'm sure that they're going to be more interested in trading guys like Dylan Carlson, guys who maybe don't have as much slug, but maybe there's potential to put a deal together around one of those guys because they have a lot of outfield depth. Uh, so any thoughts on the St. Louis option there? St. Louis, I think, has intrigued me. Um, Newt Barr, when when he came up, he was he was interesting and I was excited to watch him play and then he he got injured. So I think that if you're looking for power in the outfield, I think he has the potential to grow into some power. I know his his um his slugging right now is not great, but I also know he's only played 
42 games this year, um, but he still has an WRC plus 118. So I think he's a good target and his savant page looks good. Um, it's all either pale red or dark red circles. So I think he's a good target. Um, I hadn't actually thought about him because he's injured. I had mainly person I'd been looking at primarily was um, um, crap. Where did I put him? Um, I have like all these fan graphs page open that I'm trying to look at players. Um, Brent Rooker from the A's since the A's seem to like to sell off anyone who's worth anything. Um, I know he's young and he's under control with them, but I think he's, he's uh, gotten his strikeouts down a little bit. He's gotten his walks up a bit. He's showing a decent amount of power. Um, His BABIP isn't super off what he's done in the past. Granted, he doesn't have a huge, major league sample size to go off of. Um, So I think based on what I'm looking at now, new bar seems like he's almost like a, like a higher floor, but I could see Rooker having a higher ceiling. So it's, I guess a pick your poison type scenario. Yeah. um, I do. I am interested in the idea of Rooker. Now you, uh, I know. So you may not realize that he's 28. So he's, yeah, he's a little older. Okay, yeah, um, and we're scrolling back and forth between guys, so that wasn't like to call you out or anything. I was just making sure that we all knew that he's a little on the older side. Yeah. He also is probably not the greatest fielder, at least doesn't look yeah. that way. He should be he should be serviceable in left field, mm-hmm. uh, which, of course, that means that we're going to finally have to be willing to put Stephen Kwan in center, which I'd love to see. Um I know that he had an immensely hot start to the year and then he went down a little bit, but over the past 10 days or so, he's again been very, very good. Um, so I, I think that's an interesting option. He certainly will be available from the A's. It's funny if, if you go back and look at, I'm not even sure if it's up, but the trade manifesto that I wrote for uh, Justin Latta and their site last year Um I, I mentioned Rooker as a guy that I'd love to see the Guardians pursue who was blocked at AAA. Then he ended up getting DFA'd and the A's picked him up and he's turned out to look pretty darn good from the right side of the plate. So I would be interested in seeing that and wish they would have thought about that before. Maybe now they realize that they need that. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that's an interesting option. If they think that what he's doing is somewhat sustainable, it's absolutely somebody that you should go after. The thing that I hope is that they're not going to look at what's happening and say, well, we're going to be okay because Oscar Gonzalez will be able to mm-hmm. provide yeah. that splitting. I, you just can't count on that. I love Oscar Gonzalez, but we can't right now put all of our chips in on Valera and Gonzalez and young Kenzie Noel making it as the sluggers mm-hmm. because there's so much risk in all that. Oscar Gonzalez's hitting profile, young Kenzie Noel's hitting profile, too much strikeouts in his case and Valera can't stay healthy. So you cannot mm-hmm. assume that you've got to add to this mix another option. So I, I would be a fan of the idea of Rooker, and I like that you thought about that. He certainly absolutely will be available in the right deal. problem, of course, right now is that Oakland and Cleveland seem to have zero chemistry, and Oakland has screwed them over in a couple of potential trades already, so we'll yeah. see about that. <laughs> uh, a couple other uh, interesting ideas. Uh, Cincinnati has a lot of talent coming up right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian Encarnacion Stroud, uh, are not Encarnacion Stroud, who they acquired from Minnesota, is absolutely killing it in AAA. He's probably a first baseman, which doesn't quite 
fit for us very well. Uh, but, you know, if you're looking for some guy who's got a pretty good ceiling as far as slug goes, that's an opportunity there that you could think about and maybe say like, well, is he somebody who could make things work and left? Is he somebody who we can rotate in here and there and figure out how to get, you know, do you put any, can you possibly think about putting Josh Naylor in right? Yeah. That's the kind of thing you have to be creative and think about not perfect position wise, but the slugging's there. And then the other one I was going to mention, you know, Saris brought this up and he's a reporter for the athletic he said that he thought it would make a lot of sense for the guardians to go after Eloy Jimenez from the white hmm. Sox, and Jimenez from the whites. I'm not sure if it's Jimenez or Jimenez, but um, I forget, but Eloy, he hasn't, he's struggled to stay healthy obviously, mm-hmm. and had a lot of issues there. And he's got that Chicago white Sox stink to him, which people do. <laughs> um, but I will say that he's the kind of distressed asset that you can probably get for a reasonable price. And the mm-hmm. Guardians and White Sox have done some small deals before, so I don't think they're terrified of dealing in division. And especially the Guardians aren't afraid that they're not going to come out ahead in a deal with the White Sox. So I think if the Guardians thought, oh, hey, maybe there's a chance you know, that his injuries aren't a long-term concern, um, that would be another interesting option. Again, the problem is defensively, he's terrible. He probably should be a DH only. So again, you're having to think about putting Naylor in right field, and that's not ideal. But again, at this point, you really have to look around and try to find slugging and see, get creative to try to fit it on your roster. Yeah, my my concern with um, Eloy is that... Um, not only his health, but looking at his his X stats. So his expected slugging has been going down pretty much like every year. Um, his average launch angle has been going down too. And so I think that's contributing to his, his issues we're seeing with his power. And so I, I agree that we need someone who can be Almost, like like you said, not put all our chips in the like the Valera basket. Um, but you're right. I think the White Sox are probably going to know this, so they might be able to get a little bit. The asking price might be a little bit lower on him, um, just because yeah, it looks like he's got all these like underlying metrics that are saying that there's something going on. Granted, he is also 26, so he could turn it around and get back into some semblance of like the prime years of his career. So I think it's worth a flyer on him just to see if, you know, can we fix him? Um, my concern is always our, our track record for fixing hitters is so bad. I'm like, I don't know if I want to bring someone on who's not, who like is not going to make an immediate impact, but granted, I mean, our outfield, sometimes anyone will be an immediate impact. Um, I think the other player I was looking at and this, I think, would be probably kind of the same vein as, as Rooker is Austin Hayes from the Orioles. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's got a longer track record, so I think there's more data on him. Um, this year, I think he's gotten back to some of the power he had in 2021. Um, his strikeouts are up. His walks are about the same. Um his issue, I think, is his BABIP is at a career high. So if you're worried about that, eventually that's going to 
fall back to earth. I think that's a reasonable concern, but I think right now he, he is hitting for that power that we're looking for. And um, the Orioles and the guardians I feel have been able to make trades before and been pretty compatible in terms of trades. Um, He, his barrel percent is up. It's his career high right now, up at 12.6%. He's hitting the ball hard. His max exit velocity is up. His launch angle has been about the same. Um, So he's outside of his, um, his inflated bad, it looks like he's found a way to sustain a lot of these things. So he would be someone I'd be interested in. But again, talking about players that you'd have to get creative to trade for, I think, Hayes probably factors into the Orioles longer term plans. Um, but he's only, he actually, he's only, he's a free agent in 2026. So he's not, unless they extend him, going to be there long term. So he could be someone you could get without too much prospect capital. So he could be intriguing. Yeah. That's, that's an example of where you, you have to get creative because obviously he's carrying their offense, but they're, mm-hmm. There, uh, somewhat not not entirely. He's he's a big yeah, part yeah. of the offense, and so the Orioles would have to be advanced, you know, thinking ahead enough to say we can trade him now at the peak of his value, and we've got a bunch of outfielders coming up that are going to be able to provide some similar uh, simile of that while yeah. we get uh, something from Cleveland that we need. And they're creative enough to possibly do yeah. that. At the they same time, if you're Cleveland, are you like, well, this is who he's likely to be, or this is the best that we're going to get out of him? Mm-hmm. But I do think that's a good idea, and definitely a good idea to consider. And definitely Baltimore is an organization to pay attention to because they do have a lot of those outfielders. Uh, Colton Kowser at AAA, Heston Kirstead at, at AA. Both of them are slugging outfielders who are left-handed. Kirstead, I think, is the better of the two. But those are guys that you can look at possibly pursuing if you're the Guardians. Maybe the Orioles are interested in a pitcher and you're willing to make that deal. I do think that kind of my uh, takeaway, my last little takeaway here is that if you're looking at minor league guys, mostly what I see when I look out there, guys who have reasonable slugging percentages that you would be excited about are mostly at AAA. And I mean, at double A, sorry, at double A, not triple A. So you got to think about the fact that you're probably aiming towards somebody who's going to help you more in 2024 than in 2023 yeah. if you're going for that. Another guy that I'll briefly mention, Everson Peria. Uh, oh, sorry, Perira. Oh man, I don't know how to say that. Wow. Everson Peria of the Yankees. I'll have to look up how to say his name. Uh, he's a right-handed outfielder, and he's got a 130 WRC plus at AA for the Yankees, 229 ISO. Uh, and I really like him. I like him as a prospect. And the thing is, Tyler, I do know that the Yankees and Guardians will make deals. These are two front offices that will do it, and they're not afraid of it. So I do wonder if the guardians really like somebody like that, if they could make that kind of deal. And to me, to me, the name to watch out for, I know we'll conclude this so you can get to work and I can get to work, <laughs> but uh, the name to watch out for might be Aaron Savali. Cause if Savali can stay healthy, that's a solid number three starter. His yeah. stuff right now is actually better than Bieber's. 
and you have them under control for another year after what you have Bieber under control for. So I I think that might be a name to watch out for as far as a deal that could get made. So there's my little uh, little tidbit for people. Uh, think about that. Everson Pereira, can't say his name. I'll have to figure out how to say it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, for Savali, let's get a deal done. I just, I want to, someone said it when the Murphy trade happened and they said, I just want to stop being the team that almost got the guy. Like I want to get the guy at some point. So yeah. And none of these, I mean, none of these players are Sean Murphy levels of trade blockbuster, but yeah, it would be cool to be able to like target a player. This is a player we need and then make it happen. And so hopefully the team can do that over the next month and a half and we'll see. Be aggressive. Find your guy. Go get him. Thanks, Tyler. You got it. See you, Quincy. This has been the Cleveland Guardians FanCast. You can find us on any major podcast platform. Please remember to like, subscribe, download, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.